John chapter 10, we continue our studies and our sermon series in the book of John, and our theme is why Christianity is special. It could be summed up in one word, resurrection. Christianity is special because there was a resurrection. It is special because there is yet to be a resurrection. And that's why Christianity is special. Buddha is still dead. Confucius is still confused. And Allah is still looking for 70 virgins. Christianity knows which ground we stand upon. And Christianity is very special. And we're trying to show that in our theme throughout this series This morning, John chapter number 10, and we come to verse 11. And, of course, last week we discussed verses preceding that. And Jesus talked about being a door, Uh, not a door, but the door. And I'm glad he is not another door. I'm glad he is the door. You know, somebody said, well, that's kind of narrow, one door, how many was in the ark. I can see all the other animals complaining. We don't want to go through that door. We need another door. Now, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just not go in the door. We'll just hang on the side. All modern Christianity has got another way. But there's only one door to the ark. Is that not so? Everybody had to go into the ark the same way. The high frying eagle and the creeping little animals had to go through the same door. Aren't you glad of that? By the way, there's only one window in that ark. You remember that? Remember where it was? It was in the top. I can see Noah talking to the Lord. Well, I can't see where I'm going. And God refers back to Noah and says, well, you're not driving this boat. As long as you keep your eye on me, I'll do the driving. Don't you think that'd be a good idea? If we'd keep our eyes on him and in his word and he could guide us and drive. Look in your Bible, if you would, please. Jesus now has healed the blind man in chapter 9. The blind man has been kicked out of the synagogue, been cast out of the synagogue because he will not reject Jesus Christ. And they're trying to blame him for something. And I like what he says over in verse 25 of chapter 9. They said, now, how was you healed? Who healed you? What took place? I kind of feel like this sometime. Verse 25, he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know. That where I was, I was blind, now I see. I don't know how he did it. But 45 years ago in my living room, he took a mean, hell-bound, fighting, drinking, cussing, gambling sinner... And he slid off his couch and got on his knees and stood up a saint on his way to glory. All I know is once I was lost, but now I'm saved. Saved, yes, saved, thank God, by the marvelous grace of our Lord. Jesus has the blind man now, and he has the blind man standing beside him. And he's speaking to the religious crowd of his day, the Pharisees. And the Sadducees. And the reason they're sad, you see, is because they don't see what we see. So they're sad, you see. Uh, 
one of my kids was having a family altar and we let our kids read the Bible. Laurie pronounced Sadducees seduces. <laughs> and I thought that was awful good. So here the religious crowd is. And the blind man who was healed on the Sabbath day, they've expelled him out of the synagogue. Now his family will have nothing to do with him because they've expelled him from the synagogue. Now society will have nothing to do with him because he's been expelled because he will not denounce that Jesus Christ is the one who gave him his sight. Not only has Christ gave him his sight, you can look down a few verses from there and you'll find that Jesus Christ gave him eternal life. Amen. He's been saved, you see. Now he sees, you see. And now he's going to heaven, you see. You see, that's the best way to see. Don't ever let me do that again, will you? And I want you to catch the scenario now. This is very real. He's been kicked out of the synagogue. He's outside the fold. And Jesus looks at all that crowd and looks at this young man and says, Now you've been kicked out of one fold. I'm the door to the other. And then he goes into describing a sheepfold. He describes in verses 1 down through there, he describes a certain sheepfold, a huge, large sheepfold, where the gigantic walls are around. And evening, all the different shepherds would bring their flocks, and the porter would open the door, and the flock would go in. Safety throughout the night. Supply, food, all they need. He supplies also another illustration of a sheepfold that is not a huge sheepfold. And he says to those folks, there is a small sheepfold out in the wilderness that just has rocks and a, and a makeshift fence around and no door. And we take our sheep in at night and the shepherd lays across the door, making himself the door. By me, if any enter in, he shall be saved. He says that because he's just healed this blind man. I'm a door to another fold. Thank God he is the door. And then he says to that crowd, this man is saved and this crowd is listening. He said, I am the good shepherd. Verse 11. I am the the good shepherd. For your learning, please underline the word good. That might be significant. He did not say, I am another shepherd. He did not say, I am a shepherd. I wonder why our Lord significantly, minutely, intentionally said, I am The good shepherd. Notice what he says. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. 
You know when the bond program comes due and the wolves are knocking at the door, it's easy to change churches and feel the call of God to one that has a better financial situation. Let's go on. Isn't it amazing how God's will changes for so rapidly? Folk won't come to this church and say, it's God's will, I come. First time we have a stewardship meeting, it's God's will, we leave. God's will is wrapped around a dollar bill. That's free, it wasn't in the notes. Uh, you don't have to worry about who's going to be the under-shepherd at the Joshua Baptist Church. Uh, you don't even get to vote on that. You don't have to worry about the under-shepherd leaving when the money runs out. Uh, you don't have to worry about him running from a fight. You'll have to worry about him running into one, but not out of one. My daddy said, if you can't get people to move, make them mad. They will move one direction or another. <laughs> the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. There that good is again. And know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now, that's not talking about all the denominations in America. It's talking about Jew and Gentile. Please get that. I get so tired of folks saying that we ought to unify. We ought to all get together. After all, we're going to the same place. We all need to get together. There's a Greek word I got for that. I'm not getting together with anybody that denies the virgin birth. I'm not getting together with anybody that believes that you can be saved today and lost tomorrow. I'm not going to get together with anybody that says you've got to be baptized to be saved. No, sir, I am not. Our unity is built around the Savior and a doctrine and a cardinal of doctrines. We don't get together with the wrong crowd. Well, therefore, my father... Love me because I lay down my life that I might take it, uh, take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. I'd like to talk to you just a little bit this morning about the good shepherd. Jesus here in the Bible in John is proclaiming himself to be eternal God. I believe that Jesus Christ is God in person, in the flesh. And I believe he's just as much God if he'd never been man, and just as much man if he'd never been God. 
I believe as God, he can look on the outside and see us on the inside. I believe as man, he can feel what we feel and experience what we feel. And he can not only have pity, but he can have empathy for us. He can take his deity and look at us and say, this is what you ought to do. He can take his humanity, step into our situation and feel how we feel. Thank God for a God that became man and a man that is still God. And here he's proclaiming himself to be God. You say, now preacher, how can he be proclaiming himself to be God? John 8 and verse 58. He says, Before Abraham, I am. Now you can look at that. Before Abraham, I am. Notice he did not say I was. Or I will be. Jesus makes a statement. Before Abraham, I am. Moses, I want you to go down to Pharaoh and I want you to tell them that I'm fixing to have me a party at your expense. And Moses said to God, well, when I go down there and I talk to the most powerful ruler, the most powerful man in all of history, when I go to Pharaoh and tell him that I'm come, who shall I say sent me? And God told Moses, you tell Pharaoh, I am sent you. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. Kind of hard for us to get a hold of that. Because if you live in God's world, there is no yesterday or tomorrow. It's all present. And God says, yesterday I am, today I am, and tomorrow I will be I am. And Jesus is merely saying to this crowd, to the Jewish crowd, that I am who I am. That made them very angry. Have you noticed the I am's in John chapter, in the book of John? There's several I am's. Did you know that after Jesus had fed the 5,000 with bread and fish, do you know what he said right after he had done that? I am the bread of life. You know what bread speaks of? Speaks of nourishment. It speaks of uh, existence. It speaks of being here tomorrow. It speaks of, uh, of nutrition. And Jesus said to that crowd, Oh, you guys are hung up on manna in the wilderness. You hung up on me feeding 5,000 with loaves and fishes. You need to see a deeper meaning than that. I am that I am. And if you want bread that will give you eternal life, I am the bread of life. It's not in a denomination. It's not in a church. It's not in a nation. It's not in Israel. Eternal life is in the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Isn't that amazing? He's trying to tell us something. He said also, after he'd healed that blind man, can you imagine stumbling around in darkness all your life? All your life, never seeing anything. You see, it takes light to be able to see visibly. No light, no vision. No light, darkness. No light, blindness. 
No light stumbling in this whole world trying to find uh, how to succeed and how to be right. Stumbling around in the manifestations of everything that is ungodly and worldly and destructive. Jesus said, hey, I am the light of the world. You receive me, you'll know what to do and where to go. I am the light of the world. He not only said, I'm the light of the world. He said in John chapter, he said in this very chapter, he said, I am from above. Now, if somebody come to you and say, I'm from above, what would you say? You're on the second floor. (laughs) Oh, you live on the second floor. Jesus did not live on the second floor. Jesus lived above all floors. He said in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by him. And not anything was created except he created it. And the word became flesh and we beheld his glory. What Jesus is saying to them and to us today, I am all of God you'll ever see. I am all of God you'll ever need. Everything you need. If you need nourishment, I am bread. If you need sight, I am light. If you need direction, I am from above. I am all that you need. Not only did he say, I'm the bread of life. Not only did he say, I'm the light of the world. Not only did he say that I am from above. He said, I'm the door. Not a door, but the door. Does anybody here expect to go to heaven in any other way except through the door? Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and the life. You say, preacher, that's kind of narrow. Yes, but I didn't say it. He did. And you say, well, I'll get there my way. You get there your way. I don't have any way. It's God's way. It's God's way or it's no way. Somebody said, preacher, it's my way or the highway. Well, good, I'll take God's way. And you can keep all the ways you got. I want to go God's way. God said, I'm the door. And now today he says, I am not only the door. I'm not only the The way, I'm not only the truth, I'm not only the life, I'm not only the light, I'm not only from above, I'm not only the food of life, I am the good shepherd. And here these Jews are standing there, and they realize that all through history, even Jesus said in Matthew 19, no one is good but God. Wonder why he said, I am the good shepherd. When the Bible said, there's none good but one, and that is God. This rich young ruler, he comes with his own profession. He said, I've kept the law from my youth. Dear Lord, I, I'd get hung up on that kind of stuff, wouldn't you? Have any of you ever gotten angry? Have you ever got over your anger? (laughs) Do you know anybody in here that ever told a lie? Not a big black one. I mean a little white one or a gray one or a purple one or a polka dot one. You know, I'm not talking about a bad, bad lie like, uh, yes, the goat ate my homework. I come up with that one. That one didn't fly either. I think my teachers were smarter than that. She said, that's going to be an intelligent goat, Gene. Anybody here can say, well, without sin, the rich young ruler came to Jesus in Matthew 19. It says, what good thing can I do 
to enter the kingdom of heaven. What good thing? How many of us today are hung up on doing good things to get us to heaven? Good things. He was trying to show Jesus his goodness. And Jesus just said, son, I want to tell you something. There's none good but God. And what Jesus is saying, I am not a shepherd. I am God, the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Are you glad that he is the good shepherd? And as Jesus introduces himself to us today as the good shepherd, he reveals some things to us. First of all, number one, he reveals to us his character. His character. Reputation is what people think you are. Character is what God knows we are. Reputation is what we do outwardly to be seen. Character is what we are when no one else is looking. Character. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he was revealing his character. Now, there's something I'd like to say. Character, by definition, is distinguishing features. What distinguishes the person determines the character. I wish I could get this over. I tried very bad to get this over to my children, and I don't think it flew. But character, in Tennessee terms, is how you handle don't. Cornbread, Tennessee, farm boy definition. Character is how you handle you can't do that. You can't go there. You can't say that. That's not yours. How we react to that does not determine our character, but reveals our character. How we reveal to our, how we react to how other people act toward us reveals our character. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, mine and your misbehavior and mine and your sins did not, did not make God react in any other way except according to his character. God's character is reflected in God is good. I've heard this. Well, God's been good to me lately. No, just lately God came up to your standard to what good was. But God has always been good. And God is good. And when God says to himself, says to us, I am the good shepherd, 
He is revealing to us his goodness and he compares it to the other shepherds. Notice if you would please. He says in verse number 12. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. Is that what your Bible says? Did you know that throughout the Old Testament, God spoke in terms of shepherd and sheep many times? You know that. And I think as he spoke to those Jewish folks there, they understood the conversation and the vernacular and the intent. And Jesus looked at that crowd and said, I am the good shepherd. Do you think they'd ever read this? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Do you think maybe by the wildest imagination that when Jesus proclaimed himself to be the good shepherd, do you think maybe they might identify that Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me ask you something. Is the Lord your shepherd? And when you pray, are you always praying about your wants? When he's already said, he had already supplied all of your need according to his riches and glory. But the Jewish folk were looking for a shepherd. The Bible said, the Lord is my shepherd. Isaiah 40 and verse 11, he says, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Ezekiel 34 is a prophetic announcement that the shepherds who had been leading Israel, they had all gone astray, they had neglected the flock, they had gone off and began to make their own living and had, had, had neglected the flock of God. And then in, in, in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11 through 14, God says, one day, one day, I will be a shepherd to the flock. Ezekiel said he's coming and Jesus stood up and said, I'm here. I am the good shepherd. I will lead them beside the still waters. I will prepare a table before them in the presence of their enemies. I will lead them where it's peaceful. I will lead them in the paths of righteousness. The good shepherd said, I am the good shepherd. I will take care of you And his character is revealed in his goodness toward us. Could I please ask you, has God been good to anybody in this place? Has God been better to us than we've been to him? Has he expressed more love and more concern and more goodness toward us than we do toward him? If you were God, would you let you get away with what you get away with? You know why he does? Because God's good. God is just good. He is not going to be good. He will not continue to be good. He is just good. Good is just another zero for God. God is You say, well, he's taken me to the woodshed several times, probably because God knew it was for your 
good. Because all things work together for what? To them who love God, those who are called according to his his, his will. And I'm saying to you today, God is revealing his character when he says, I am the good shepherd. I'm glad. He told me that he would never leave me nor forsake me. Years ago, in some of those gang fights that I was a witness to, Some of those friends, when it really got thick and the tire tools began to fly and the water hoses began to slap, you looked and some of those guys that said they'd be with you for always, they wasn't there very long. Since I got saved, I've not gone any place that he didn't go with me. I've not suffered one hurt that he has not helped me to bear. I've not experienced one joy that he did not alongside me enjoy the joy with me. I'm glad I've got a good shepherd who at night will lay across the door of my life and protect me from the oncoming wolves of this old world. I'm glad when I'm weak, when I'm weak emotionally, I'm weak physically or I'm weak Uh, spiritually I'm glad that he's still good and he leadeth me beside still waters of peace he maketh me to lie down I'm glad my shepherd is the good shepherd it reveals the character of our God secondly and I'm going to hurry along he said to himself to us he's the good shepherd and that reveals His care. His care. Did you ever feel like nobody cares for you? Did you ever feel like you're all alone in this great big old world? Crowded with human beings with hearts and eyes and voices and bodies. But just seem like they don't care. Just seem like you're here all alone. You're a single mother or you're you're a housewife that... The husband's got more hobbies than he's got brains. Glad my wife didn't say amen to that one. But have you ever just felt like nobody cares? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. He's a friend so fair and true. He cares. You say, how do you know he cares? Look at your Bible just a minute, John 10. Look in John 10. He cares. He expresses in ways that is precious to us. Notice, if you would please, in John chapter 10, he reveals his care. Verse 3, he speaks to his sheep. Verse 3, the Bible said he knows them by name. He speaks to them. Is anybody here glad that our Lord speaks to And to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Are you glad today that you have a God that's not dead, that still has an ear, can hear? Are you glad that you have a shepherd that still hears? Call upon me, he said, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. 
Oh, let me tell you, preacher, who do you go to when you get down? I go to the great and good shepherd. You say, preacher, who pumps the pumper? Jesus is the pumper. Well, preacher, who, who counsels you? I got 66 books of counsel here. And the good shepherd will lead me through each one of them. Can you say, preacher, how do you know how to raise your kids? Uh, the, the great shepherd told me how to raise my kids. Preacher, how do you know when to whoop your kids? When they're mean and ugly and not behaving. And before they get big enough to whoop me back. The trouble with a lot of you folks, you wait till your kids get big enough to whoop you back. Don't do that. Whoop them when they're little. Whoop them real soon. The Bible said, whoop them be four times that before they get up big enough to whoop you back. And you say, preacher, how do you know how to treat your wife? I didn't read this. She tells me every day. <laughs> the good shepherd tells me how to do that. How do you run your life? The good shepherd helps me to do that. How do you stay out of trouble? The good shepherd is always with me and never leaves me. How do you know? He's always looking. I don't have to worry about you looking. He's looking. I don't have to worry about what you say. I have to worry about what he said. He speaks to me. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Verse 3, he not only speaks to me, his caring is shown that he leads his sheep. I'm so glad I'm not in this by myself. Have you ever been lost in the woods? I don't know. You know why they call it lost? Because you don't know which way it is back to where you started from. You know why God calls you lost? Because you don't know how to get back home. Heaven is home. And if you don't know how to get back, you're lost. You need a spiritual GPS. The one that ain't always saying, Ray, calculate it. <laughs> I drive 45 miles out of the way and that silly woman says, Ray, calculate. I said, you ain't recalculating in my truck out the window. Good shepherd. He leadeth me. Where does he lead me? He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Well, I prayed and God told me to take his job. Really? God never did tell me to take a job. Well, I prayed to God the other day and he just revealed me that she's the right one. Well, I missed out on that one. A lot of this God leading business you folk coming up with sure ain't found in the Bible. Well, God's leading me to another church. Really? Because I preached on tithing, God's leading you to another church. Because I preached on soul winning and you're, in, you're scared to tell somebody that you've been saved. Well, God just leading me. God leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Not for our comfort. Not for our appreciation. Not for our happiness. He leads us for his glory and for his name's sake. Can anybody say amen? amen? The shepherd cares for the sheep. 
Because the sheep belongs to him. And he's not worried about the little sheep being happy. I can hear him every morning. Happy, happy, happy. Let's everybody be happy today, little sheep. Happy, happy, little sheep. Little sheep, it's happy. Always make better looking sheep. For his name's sake. Does your life bring glory to him? Do you, does your life bring glory to the shepherd? Is your character a reflection of the character of the good shepherd? He calls them. He leads them. Look at verse 3. Uh, he go. He leads them. He calls them. He speaks to them. Verse 4, he goes before his sheep. Verse 15, he lays down his life for his sheep. Does anybody see any caring in that? Does anybody see any caring in that? Verse 28, he gives eternal life to his sheep. What's eternal life? Please somebody explain to me how that you can lose eternal life. Life that you can lose is temporary life, not eternal life. The Bible explains it in two terms. One, everlasting life. Two, eternal life. You say, they got to be the same. They're not on the same page in the dictionary. How can they be the same? I don't know if you know it or not. But when the good shepherd welcomed you into his fold, he gave unto you eternal life. And when you believed on him, you got everlasting life. You know the difference, I'm sure. I can tell by the way you're looking. What does the word eternal mean? Without beginning or without end? Is that about right? Eternal means no beginning, no end. Everlasting means with a beginning and no end. When my good shepherd gave me eternal life, my life not only extended into eternity future, but into eternity past. And I became a recipient of everything that went on in eternity. When Christ was crucified, I was crucified. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Notice. He cares because he speaks to us. He calls us. He leads us. He goes before us. He gives us eternal life. We shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Guess who's holding you? Guess who's holding? Somebody said, well, I'm just holding on. No, you're not. He's holding on. I hope I get there because I'm holding. No, you're not holding. He's holding. No man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29, and the Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Question, does the good shepherd care if he calls you and he leads you and he 
blesses you and he goes before you and he gives you eternal life and thank God he's holding you by the omnipotent almighty hand of God to be revealed in the day of redemption. Now I know why he said I am the good shepherd. Now I know why he said I'm not just another shepherd because of his character, because of his care. And when he said, I'm the good shepherd, he revealed his cross. Number one, my Lord died voluntarily for me. Now, I can't, I don't know about you. And I heard John 3, 16 all my life. But the night I got saved, I realized once and for all that Jesus Christ voluntarily died specifically for me. An ugly, atrocious, hellacious sinner like myself. Not very intelligent intellectually, Probably not very sound emotionally, but boy, how macho he is physically. And God died just for me. Brother Williams told me that night with that soul in his New Testament hand, he said, Gene, if you'd been the only sinner in the world, Christ would have died just for you. No man taketh my life. I lay it down. That's why he's the good shepherd. Did you know that Jesus Christ died specifically for you? Just for you. His death was voluntarily. His death was vicarious. It means, he said, in verse number 11, notice this. The shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I read a little little illustration this morning and I'm, I'm done. Two kids in the family had the same fatal disease, some kind of bad blood disorder. The little boy, about eight, somehow or another miraculously conquered this thing and, and went through the illness and came out well and strong. His little sister contacted disease. I guess it was inherited or uh, DNA or something and the only person in the world that could give a blood transfusion to the little girl that was dying for sure was someone who had had the disease and had conquered the disease and had developed an immunity to the disease. So the doctor asked the little eight-year-old boy, Johnny, would you give your sister a blood transfusion to save her life. 
And the eight-year-old boy, he, he didn't understand. And little old lips started quivering and tears came to his eyes and fright across his face. And after some deliberation and looking at his little sister so weak in bed, said, yes, I will do it. So they got the little boy all cleaned up and laid him down on the bed beside the sister. And the little boy just so scared and pierced his vein with with a needle. And after just a few seconds, Johnny looked up and said, Doc, why ain't I dead yet? The little boy thought in the depth of his heart. For his sister to live, he had to die. Doc, why am I dead yet? Let me tell you why you ain't dead yet. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We ain't dead yet because he died. In our place. Martin Luther, the great, great theologian, was having a family altar and he was reading Genesis 22. He and his wife and his children, and he read about Abraham putting Isaac on the altar, was going to sacrifice him. His wife looked at him and said, Sir, God would not do that to his son. And Martin Luther looked at his wife and said, Katie, he did. He did. His death was voluntarily. His death was vicarious. He died for you. His death was victorious. I have power to lay it down. And here's where the hallelujahs ought to ring. I have power to take it up again. He's not in that graveyard. No, sir. You don't need to go to the graveyard to see my Lord. You don't need to peer into a glass casket and throw your pennies and your quarters in there hoping that things will work out. Our God is alive. He had power to take it up again. Now listen. Thou shalt believe in thine heart. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You can't be saved if you don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible said, for whosoever believeth in him shall not. Be ashamed. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One last question. Is the Lord your shepherd? Is he your shepherd?